Well, uh, yeah, first of all, I mean, if you want to just give a little bit about yourself, um, your philosophy, how you came to this whole path and how you came to be the person you are now in the position that you are now. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, my name is Brendan Lee. And basically my, my story as, as it is, is like when I was young, like 17 or whatever, I wasn't uh, like back in high school, I wasn't very, I went through a rough period, but I think every teenager goes through some kind of like, I'm going to be a rebel and be depressed for a while. <laughs> um, but as, as I have the story, it's like, I put something out. What I say is I put something out to the universe. I'm like, I, I really need something here. I want something. And uh, then I was exposed to Peter Ralston. Um, and then, so I met him basically at a, at a martial arts workshop in Rochester, New York, when I was 17. And like, I knew almost immediately, I'm like, okay, you're the, you're my guy. Mm. Where basically, where are you down in Texas? Okay. I'm coming. And <laughs> I basically, and, and so that's how I, that's how I got exposed. And then, so I was interested in Ralston and the work of Chang Shin from a martial perspective immediately because that's what I was into um and it's like I remember seeing uh Peter and perhaps I imagine that other people ha have a similar reaction maybe um where it's like I see here's here's a really smart individual the way he can move is bar none amazing in terms of martial skill the the intelligence with which he speaks and then there was a, there was like something else about him that i couldn't quite put my finger on if that makes sense yeah and it makes sense to me because i see that in a video so i can't imagine in person like i'm watching these videos i'm like there's just something about this guy like yeah. he just it's like he knows something <laughs> yeah but he can't tell you he just you have to find it out yourself <laughs> yeah kind of, kind of, in that kind of like that um uh, yeah, yeah. So like a certain a certain quality that that's like it's it shows up in the physical body, but it is not anything physical there to put a finger on. And what I I imagine is the case is it's the consciousness work and also his extreme commitment to being very straight with people, having integrity, being honest um, and 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 then you know what what in spiritual circles you call like the enlightenment experiences or the direct consciousness becoming conscious of you know something absolute as if and mm. uh that definitely in my estimation makes a difference so there's like so my story is basically that met him at a young age and then throughout my 20s i base i literally grew up a second time in this building so like in 2004 I did my first apprenticeship with Ralston. So it's like seven and a half months of training, six days a week, eight to 10 hours a day. And so I was doing apprenticeships in like 2004, 2006, 2008, 2010. There was like 2011, somewhere in there, 2012. Um, so I'm very steeped in this work. And that's basically my story. Um, mm. And I've moved from be having my interest be primarily in the martial arts and i was like ah who cares about this consciousness shit like i i don't know what this is i'm only doing it because i'm being told to do it basically like here do these exercises like consider this work on that do these workshops and uh so it took me a while to kind of come around to that but once i started taking a look i could see the benefit even though the work is not about doing it for the benefit if that makes sense, because when people try to 
do something when they're looking for value, they're going to be narrow focus on what they think is valuable and it'll direct their attention that way. Whereas if, if the, the work is best approached, not that way, it's just like an honest, deep questioning of like, what is really going on? And um, I'm getting a little lost here. Um, so <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm following. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just like, I'm trying to track my own story. I'm like, wait a minute, where, where are we going here? So um, <laughs> it's like, if there's something to that, ah, right, right, right. Don't do the consciousness work for the value, but do it to question and to become conscious of what's true. But the benefit for that I've received from doing that is bar none, like huge, you know, it's as if what I would say poetically is like, it gave me my life. Mm. You know, not that anybody has any power to give me my life or not. It's more just like a poetic way of speaking, like the, the, the freedom, the clarity, the, um, the understanding, the insights, oh, like just mm. that, that's the stuff that I say is like giving me my life. It's like having deep realizations or becoming mm. conscious of something new or having an insight about something is like very, very refreshing. That's awesome. So, so that's my story. Basically grew up in Vermont, met Ralston at a young age, spent a lot of time in here training and doing lots of work. And now um, I help run, we do like a spring retreat and a fall retreat. And I help, I do a lot of facilitation during those. And I run the center here and I teach workshops in Europe. I teach in the, in the States and that's my story. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, I think you should be, you should feel very lucky to uh, be around Peter Ralston. Like, do you ever think like, it was like, I, I know it's going to sound corny, like a, like a, like a stroke of fate in a way, like, cause it's, I don't know. Are you, is it like a one-on-one -on -one apprenticeship? Are you his, his guy? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. At, at this point I'm labeled as his assistant, which is, which what we've created basically. Cause all that stuff's made up anyway. Um, <laughs> it's like, I'm an assistant, which is like, okay, that's above an apprentice, but yes. So now I've, I've done enough work, you know, like, you know, I'm on Ralston's property. I have a little house in the back here. Um, and I do a lot, I do interact with him quite a bit, but that's only after, you know, I'm basically said, I, I, I think I basically is told him like, all right, Peter, I'm moving in. Cause at one point I was, you know, I was living somewhere else. And then I, then I said, and I asked him, I'm like, Peter, do you mind if I, if I move into the, into the dojo this winter? And he's like, sure. So I came in here, this was before we had insulation and it was cold. I spent a couple winters in here. And then at some point I asked him if I could build a little house in the back. He's like, yeah, sure. How are you going to pay for it? <laughs> and I was dabbling in real estate and I, I said, all right, I'm going to do a real estate deal. I'm going to pay for this house. And I did the real estate deal, paid for it, and then built a little spot. Um, but the, but the apprenticeship programs, no, they are groups of people. So like mm -hmm. we're planning to do an apprenticeship um, starting September this year and a group of a group of guys are going to come in here. They're going to live on site. They're going to do a lot of hard work. Um, mm -hmm. It's like that. And yes, I do consider myself extremely lucky, <clears throat> you know, because I get to hang out with somebody who I admire, who I love very much and who is also really smart and has a lot to contribute to what I personally find like just great. In that yeah. So, 
Yes. Very Can you um, take us through a little bit of the work that you do at the workshops, like kind of just like a quick synopsis of the um, exercises or, you know, whatever goes on there? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so the, we basically work in two domains, conscious, what I call consciousness and skill. And um, it's originally the, the art is called Cheng Shin. Like that's the, that's the name of the whole practice, but nobody knows what Cheng Shin is and who cares, right? And then like, what? That's random and it's spelled funny. So like <laughs> trying, to, trying to say that based on the spelling, it looks like Hisin. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and it's like, what? You know, so I'm like, it's consciousness and skill. We get people conscious and we get them more skillful. So on the martial side, so this is working with the body. Um, you know, people come in, like you can see like back over here, um, that blue stack, that's, that's all mats right there. So we have a whole bunch of mats and you can see a bit on the floor back there. Um, and, and we put the mats out, people come in and we train uh, different techniques and, and games and skills and dynamics of body motion. So like trying to understand how to, how to create power effortlessly because the, the martial art is called the art of effortless power. And so that's trying to achieve a result with the minimum amount of effort. And so we do a lot of stuff, which um, to the untrained eye looks a lot like dance. Um, but it's I've seen a video uh, um, of, hmm. I think you posted in uh, Peter way back in the day. And he's just like this motion, just like Neo in the matrix in a way it's, yeah. it's uh, it is very much like a dance. Yeah. He's an incredible mover. And, and then he, he also has power. That's the other aspect. Whereas like if, if people are watching and I understand like MMA, I've been in the MMA world and stuff like that to their mind and perspective, it's going to just look silly. And I get that. I totally understand. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, but there is actually the ability to achieve a power that is very effortless by using a relaxed body and compression into the ground and movement to generate compression and you can create power. Um, but anyway, so the, the, let's see, going back to your question. So what do we do? So people come in um, we do communal meals, they live on site and then we'll train all day. And then we'll do that usually for like a week period. Um, and there's lots of exercises for, for understanding what we call body being principles. So these are the principles that govern the body as if like, you know, if you move the body from the center, for example, it's a, it's, it just, everything works better. Whereas mm -hmm. if you try to move the entire body from someplace that's not the center, for example, um, if you can, if you can get the body grounded and also mentally grounded, so these are like aligning with principles, then you will be more powerful. You will be more in touch with the ground and there's benefit or another principle is like whole and total. If you move, if, if the body and everything is moving together, there's more power. That's just like, you can't kind of like, you can't mess with gravity. Mm -hmm. You know, like you mm -hmm. can't mess with body being principles. It's either you align with the principle or not. It's not, you know, it doesn't matter if you do. It's just like we try to teach an understanding about that. See, um, and then we have a lot of like martial games, um, you know, so we, we play. There's like interactive games that we do. We also do boxing. We do some sword play, like some Tai Chi. Um, and then the, the art itself is basically like a mix of 
Aikido, Judo, boxing, and Tai Chi. And, and when I try to tell people who are not inundated or don't have any familiarity, it's, it's basically like MMA because you can do everything. We throw, we hit, basically we hit people, we throw people and we can grapple people, but we're super relaxed. <laughs> Which doesn't like, huh? it doesn't, uh, doesn't fit with that world, even though it's like we, we do do as if MMA or mixed martial arts. That makes sense. I mean, when you see like if you if people do watch MMA or UFC, it, you see like a fighter in the cage. It seems like the one that is most in control is the most relaxed one. Like the, from the fights I've seen, if somebody is relaxed, it seems like they are in control of the fight. When if somebody's like really, really tense and they're just like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like there is something about being relaxed, even in the most intense situations. Yeah. Yeah. And there are definitely like for your listeners or whomever is watching this, like, like there's a couple of fighters that I can name Anderson Silva for one and Israel Adesanya Mm -hmm. and maybe to some degree, Conor McGregor. It's like they, they study movement and they're smooth and they're loose and they, they're good. And so Mm -hmm. like, if, if I were to imagine Cheng Shin in an MMA type setting, I would, I would, highlight those guys and then add like even more elusive behavior like uh so no blocking of punches these kinds of things um but it's like so you can see that they they have a quality of motion that is unique and it's very functional Hmm. um which which i really appreciate definitely um yeah so so let's see so that yeah so that's basically the marshall so I'm sorry, here. I've been interrupting you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'll no, stop. we're good. We're having a dialogue. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Whatever questions you have is, is totally fine. Cool, cool. Um, um, but people come in, so they come in for a week. They live on site, they train, and then after the week is over, then they go home. You know, as you can see, it's like quite empty right now. Nobody's here. We're, we're in between workshops. So, so that's kind of like the marshal. Um, and then we do consciousness work. And then we have several workshops that are in the consciousness domain. Um, but basically our core, our core workshop for consciousness is called the ENB or experiencing the nature of being workshop. Um, and what happens again, same format, people come in and then <clears throat> instead of putting mats out to do physical activity on, you know, we set up, there's like a chair and cushions over there and it's basically uh, let's see because your question was like what happens when people come in to do workshops yeah like what is the actual like if i was a fly on the wall with these workshops what would i Hmm. see you guys doing (laughs) well in the consciousness (laughs) you'd see people sitting down a lot and then they would turn and face each other at some point and talk and then turn and look back at a facilitator Uh, you'd be seeing that but the let me see if i can explain so the spirit, I'll start with like what I consider the spirit of the work is not to supply people with some sort of useful knowledge. I know that sells it right away. What? We're not committed to people's comfort. We're not committed to people's discomfort. We are committed to helping people discover what's true, whatever that is. And we do not invite people to believe anything that is presented. We, we invite people to, to considerations um, about the nature of reality or the nature of being a human being, 
um, we do a workshop called the communication relationship workshop. So we look into the nature, what I'm, what I'm calling the nature of communication and the nature of relationship itself. You know, that's, that, that would be like one for, I think that's like a more, uh, a less intense workshop, you mm -hmm. know, and the spirit is, uh, is very honest and it's very investigative. You know, I, I will get many questions from people about like, like they're, they're essentially asking me for an answer for one, or they're going to ask me like, what's the right way to live my life? And those types of questions, I'm just trying to um, elucidate a bit of the spirit of the work so that like it kind of that, that comes across because I think that's the a good place to start. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they ask me these questions, I say, I say, no, 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 I'm not, not going to give you an answer. I want you to take a look. I want you to like, hey, did you know that there's like no such thing as a relationship? For example, it only exists in your experience and you're doing it and it doesn't exist anywhere else. And they go, huh? You know, if I say that, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but take a look. You know, I'm always inviting people to take a look. So, and, and it's, um, it's very honest, you know, we'd be mm -hmm. as honest as we can because, you know, as Peter would say, it's like honesty has something to do with what's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's the spirit, right? And now some of the topics we might c cover are like communication and relationships. So what is communication? What is relationship? You see, you know, it's like, um, Experiencing the nature of being is like <clears throat> we take a look at experience itself and experience. What I mean when I say experience is just like the what we're, we're in right now. You see, it's like you're sitting probably in front of some kind of screen, sipping what looks like kombucha. It is. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and like I'm sitting in front of a computer and then we're interacting and somehow I can recognize that there's a human being over there. I can interpret headphones. You see, but then where do headphones exist, for example? Um, how is it that I can recognize like how to relate to you? Yeah. And I can do it really fast and so can you. It's like, well, that's kind of mind blowing if you take a look. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could just be me, but hey. <laughs> you know, um, and then we'll take it all the way. So like we'll, we'll investigate the nature of experience itself, but then we'll take it all the way to like becoming conscious of the absolute nature of reality. And we do more direct contemplative efforts like and we might use such questions as like who am i what am i what is life etc um and then you just keep contemplating from those existential questions is it just like a continual contemplation effort on the individual at these workshops like you you it seems like rather than being like the the guru that tells it how it is it says you kind of just suggest things to people it seems like you just put out ideas and kind of like sit with it see how that feels with you not even feels or just like just sit with it and explore it a little in your being right is, is, is that kind of the essence of it um when you say uh explore it in your being what do you what do you mean hmm explore or, or could you describe that experience that that you have when you when you say that? Well, if you suggested me an idea, just like well, it's funny. I'm exploring exploring in my being. It seems to be how it resonates with me on a level that is beyond 
words. Like there's some kind of internalization of ideas that somehow rings true in my psyche. Like when you say something or when somebody says something or Peter says something, there's something that goes ding in my head. And it's like, yes, that's it. Hmm. And I think that's kind of that resignation. But then it's like, well, wh what is that? Where does that come from? <laughs> what is that resignation? Why is that telling me that's okay? Uh, I guess it's that that I'm looking for. I'd have to contemplate more on that. That's a great question. Okay. Yeah. What, what would you say? Uh, how would you answer that? Answer what? Um, it was how do you explore your being, right? Was, wasn't it the question? It was like, how, how do you find significance when something resonates in your own being? Like, what is it inside of you? that says this guy's right or that says right. what what he just said is resonating inside of me not necessarily like how do i distinguish um a subjective like something that is deep inside of me that i know is the truth that uh that is i can't put any any other word than is like yes that is that is being this is reality this is something that i find true because mm. he said this and how do i know that it, it's true how, okay so you guys are exploring the concept of truth, right? But how do you know what truth is? Right, right, right. So then, then one one aspect is just based on my listening now is, you know, when you say like exploring a concept, it's like yes, there will be conceptualizing, and then we also explore as if past conceptualizing itself, and you can't have a concept for that. Yes. The only yeah. concept is that there is no concept. Right. It's like that, that would be the concept or, or there's another concept of like, oh, I'm going to explore past conceptualization and that exists as a concept. Um, but then, then like, how do you know? It's like, yes. Cause I, I can, I can definitely see that. It's like, well, how do you know what's true? Yeah. Eh. <laughs> I, I guess there is. Yeah. Cause I don't know. Cause like when I listen to Peter, right. Yeah. Or, or you, or anybody really, uh, this, this, some things people can say, and I'm just like, oh, whatever. It doesn't, there's no, it doesn't pertain to me. There's no significance, but then there's some things that ring true. Yeah. And that ringing true is like this, is it a feeling? There's something that there's goes, like I said, feeling sense involved. It seems, um, because I, I guess I, I can relate to this qu query that we're, we're this question here that we're exploring is, you know, like when I, when I first saw Peter, I knew. How did I know? That's a good, I have no idea. You know, mm. but there was something that said, yes, that's <laughs> the guy for me. I don't like, not for everybody, but for me, it's like, okay, I'm on that track. But then, then how do I know? I have no idea. Um, mm. I could postulate, but I don't, it, it does seem to be the case that there is a way of, knowing things non-intellectually that may give rise to a feeling of oh it just came to me it resonates and it's a very non-intellectual process it seems and it, and it does seem uh definitely a feeling component to it because mm. how would you if you had no feelings whatsoever how would you have that you know, I don't know. So it seems like a mm -hmm. sense or an intuitive sense, perhaps I might chalk that up and label that as intuition. But what is that? I have no idea. Mm. How, how is that possible? I can 
I can see that given certain things are as if true, that could easily be the case because there's more to what's going on here than what I intellectualize. You see, yes. like, like, no, for example, you know, uh, the fact that my body I have no, con like, how did this even show up, for example, right? <laughs> we have a scientific explanation. <clears throat> and we understand that if you put the parts together, the right, you know, you slap the meat together, as uh, one guy said, <laughs> uh, then a baby comes out, but we don't know how that happens, for example. And that is very that's something else that I, as an individual, have no control over and is very mysterious. So mm. like given there's stuff like that that exists, hey, we could have an intuitive sense that that tells me things. It guides us in a way. And guide perhaps, you know, but I, as to what that is, I, I couldn't tell you. Do you think it's important to realize what that is or is it just important to kind of listen to what that is? Or both? Uh, good, good question. <laughs> I, I don't, in terms of importance, I, I am more in favor of grasping the nature of importance and noticing yeah. that importance is generated by each individual. So it, it's, it really depends on who you are in terms of what you're going to find important. Some people find it important to kill people <laughs> and other people find it important to save people. So I, um, hmm. in terms of in, you know, I don't, a, a big part of, of my intent or the, the way that I'm approaching what I do is I don't want to invite people to, you make up whatever you want to have important. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, don't hurt anybody. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> have that. Like, yeah, if, uh, sure, whatever you find is important, but if you try to kill me, I, I'm liable to try to kill you too. I, I hope, <laughs> you know, maybe my brain will shut down. I don't know. Um, or, but I'm, I'm more in favor of like, hey, love people. And if you want to investigate things, investigate it. If you don't, don't. If you want to just, like, there's no right way to live as if is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, but it, I do, however, see, so there, there's that preamble. I am in support of effectiveness. And so if, if somebody finds something important and or like, oh, maybe I have an intuitive sense, you know, I, I tend to invite people, well, okay, do, what does it work for and what doesn't it work for? Not whether it's right or wrong, but like, is it effective for things? Maybe somebody can achieve excellent results by listening to an intuitive sense and they, they do great work in the world, which is a contribution. It's like, great, I'm in support of that. But if, you know, um, there's another place like where intuition might not help, for example, where like I, I heard a story about a guy who is a, um, he went to go learn some skiing from somebody and apparently this guy learned at an incredible rate of speed. And the afterward, the ski instructor asked him, like, what, what's your secret? Like how you learn faster than anybody I've ever seen, basically. And the guy said, well, tell you the truth. I'm a, I'm a Navy test pilot or something like crazy where they do, they take airplanes into the air and then do weird stuff with them and then try to come out of it or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And Apparently, if you and, and, what, and what he said was, and what that taught me was that I have to have complete faith in my instruments. 
So no matter how I feel or what my internals are telling me to do, I cannot do that if my instruments say not because they'll do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And that same, that same thing, you know, is applies in fighting or, or like martial as well. It's like the intuitive thing often is the wrong thing can be. So then the, the, the fighter pilot, what he apparently he did was he said, all right, whatever the teacher said, I did it no matter how I felt about it. And his learning just, hmm. for example, now I don't know if that's related to intuition or not, but I think, I think it could be in terms of like, oh, I feel like this is correct when in reality for in terms of being effective, it's incorrect, incorrect, not bad, not, not right or wrong, just ineffective. So how would you describe effectiveness? Effectiveness is completely relational. So it just, it just depends, you know, right now we are being effective at, uh, having a meeting and doing a podcast and, and creating content, but we are not being effective at cooking dinner. I see. It's situational. It's always that. That's how effective, that's the only way effectiveness gets to exist. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. I also want to talk about like, um, you know, I think you put out a video last night about what is value. And I, um, that actually got me thinking. Hmm. Uh, so I'd like to discuss that a little bit and I'll give you my take on value from that. Yeah, I see value at its core. Um, it's essentially it is a, it is a value is also situational as well. And it seems to be value is of importance to our beings survival at, at the essence. Like we hold things valuable that will, that we deem to be important to our continual survival it seems but then you can turn the coin and say we also find things valuable that aren't necessarily related to our um direct survival in the moment like uh we might value a cookie or something yeah um but i think it's our brain's way of tricking itself into thinking that that necessarily that is needed for survival or, or maybe it could be like reproduction like that's a huge thing that we find valuable as sex or whatever it is but i think it's something I don't know. It actually did get me thinking and I was contemplating it, but I think it, it holds something where value is something where we just, it's like an innate reaction where we just want to survive. Like I find this value because, because I am thirsty and I wish to gain the nutrients from this. And uh, yeah, I find our conversation valuable because I'm having a good time and we're <laughs> learning some things about each other. It's, yeah, I don't know. It seems to be, I know you said this in the video too, like something I can get, but it's not necessarily something I can get. It's just something I can uh, experience to continue my, to continue my experience, I guess, in a way. How would you describe that? Describe what? Value. Like how, could you dive into that a little more in this video? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Like value. It is an interesting thing Like we value different things in different situations, but we all have, we all hold things valuable. And it seems like um, when it's, it's hard to talk about things just because of our language and the, you know, the society we live in of capitalism, we always just want value out of things. We just want to get something from something. So it, it's kind of like a, a trap of our language. It seems like. Okay. And, well, uh, one, one consideration is that value also exists with what is not valuable. And they arise together. They are not separate. You cannot have one without the other. For example, you cannot have good without bad. 
Yeah. Because then how do you define good? Yes. So then, then we say, okay, well, then, then value is, you know, it definitely has an impact on my perceptive experience. You see, it's like you have a, I see you have a Buddha in the back and like a, looks like a Himalayan salt lamp or something like that. And, mm -hmm. and, but you don't have an M16 rifle back there or, a, <laughs> that, or an AR-15 or what's that? <laughs> that you know of. Right. That, that's true. That's the whole true. thing's loaded up. That's right. A concealed carry or whatever. You see, it's like, and, and I, I value mats cause they like something, but, and, and I, if they get damaged, I don't value that you see. And, yes. and it, as I look around, I will, the eyes, you know, will tend to move toward uh, as if not the eyes, but my attention my attention will fall on what I find to be valuable and tend to ignore that, which I don't see as valuable. Yes. And I value, like you stated, as like, I value different stuff than you do. And what's going on there. We seem to have different values, values. <laughs> and it then it seems to be because like, it's, it's just like, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, go, go. We, value things to to gain something in our experience I mean, is, it, is it pleasury sensations is it something that is going to enable us to keep living uh just enable us to grow i don't know it, it is a very interesting question. to find like the reason for value or or values purpose i think it's more of the reason and i think from the reason in the purpose is more of how I'm kind of getting to the definition. And I don't think I can really find the reason at this current moment, but it, it is an interesting inquiry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times um, people will ask like why questions, well, why is value here? And in order to answer the why question, usually I go like, well, why will send the mind down a certain road? And usually it's an intellectual road and trying to reason it out. Yeah. Whereas, which, which some people may find that valuable, that whole process and other people, why would I even look there? So then that doesn't answer the question as if um, they, they, I think a more powerful invitation is to grasp what value is. Hmm. Because then you'll know perhaps more clearly why. Yes. And, and so I keep directing mm -hmm. in, in this, in these considerations that I keep inviting people to consider. It's like, you know, you have a value system. I have a value system and we could bring somebody else, a totally different value system. Or like if you've been to other countries like you go to India, for example, there's a whole cult, there's cultural value systems that are drastically different than Western culture, you know, or Japan. I've, I haven't spent very much time at all in Japan. Okay. About like 17 hours or something like that, but different deal, right? Or Indonesia, different, different deal. And then we can still like, okay, so then yes, it does seem that people value things. And then what, what is that about perhaps, hmm. you know, or like, um, and then there is, I did hear maybe a little bit of another type of questioning in what you said previously, you're like, well, well, some of the stuff I find valuable doesn't seem like it's for my survival. 
And we counter that in, in one of, in ENB workshop here, it's like in terms of surviving as a human being, some people value surviving as like, say we use an example of a macho guy. A macho guy is, finds value not in physical survival, but in being macho. They might step in front of a bus to show how tough they are and get shit canned for it, right? Yeah. Or like a, 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 a Japanese samurai, they value face. So if, if situation demands it, they'll commit suicide. Now, how is that for their survival? Well, it's for the survival of their face, not their body. Yes, that is true. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to, I guess us, the listeners and me, I guess we have to just sit on that one a little bit. That is. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Take a look. <laughs> that, that, that's why I, I really like what you guys do, man. It's, um, it's just, it's, it's an, it's personal subjective investigative work in your body in your being. And there's really no other way to go about it. There's like, you can read X amount of books. You can listen to X amount of podcasts. You can do whatever you have to do. But ultimately, it comes down to you doing it yourself in your own experience. And um, yeah, that's, that's really it. It's just no one else is going to tell you the way. I guess you can show people, right? You can show people the way and kind of suggest certain things to, to do or to, to contemplate. But there's nothing really that is going to do it for you ultimately everybody has to do it for themselves and that's so valuable (laughs) it really is man that is the truth you know it's there's no other way other than the way that you pay for yourself in this world yeah yeah Yeah, and and it yeah definitely definitely true like Hmm. there's a galileo quote it's like i can only show the student the door they alone must enter and it's like that's the only person like it's tricky because the work like when we're working in consciousness work the work lives right here in your experience there is no like what as i tell me i'm like where are you gonna go what do you, yeah all right go to if you go off the planet you go to pluto that's where you're gonna be and you're gonna be there and you're gonna have an experience and shit's gonna be valuable or not valuable you're gonna be interested in certain things not interested in other things you're still gonna be perceiving reality and you're still not gonna who where are you gonna go (laughs) yeah you go go to a spiritual ashram and like do the stuff and like do a serious contemplation a serious meditation but you might you might just be the same asshole just in an ashram now (laughs) and you're in a coffee shop man fuck yeah yeah, exactly. That's true. Like the location, locality doesn't really matter to the experience. It's just kind of, uh, doesn't matter where you're at. I, yeah, I believe that as well. It doesn't really matter where you're at, uh, what your circumstance is in life. It is anybody I think is capable of doing this consciousness work. Oh, of course. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, uh, what language you speak, where you're from, like, does, I think it's, you know, it's funny. I think it's like actually the simplest thing to do, but yet the hardest if that makes sense. It's such a simple thing to just, it's a simple to be, but it's hard for, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's people scared. Do you think it's fear? Do you think fear holds people back from um, truth? I think, well, it depends on what we're calling truth. Um, And I think, yeah, I think a multitude of things hold people back. Fear could be one of them because, 
you know, sometimes people are afraid of what they think is. <laughs> um, but then also more, perhaps more profoundly, like if we're calling truth, like what's absolutely true, say if, if I'm going for like what's absolutely true, one thing that, well, it's tricky because I, technically nothing is holding anybody back from anything. Yes. <laughs> it's just, we seem to be stuck in, in a perceptive experience. So I would say like the biggest thing that, well, these things are hard. These things are hard to talk about. Um, perception itself is the holdback. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like the fact of you see me here, for example, is the illusion. What if I don't cling to that though? What if that's then you will be a person not clinging to that. What if I don't cling to my not clean? <laughs> are you are you, okay? So if if you're if you're not clinging to not clinging, do you still go get coffee? Do you drink? Oh, do you still I, go buy kombucha? <laughs> yes. Okay, there you go. Kombucha exists, and you're mm -hmm. buying it. For example, clinging or no clinging. Yes. That and you still exist as somebody mm -hmm. buying kombucha that's the illusion yes it's like we're in it is what i try to say it's like and and i just what i did was i skipped to a domain of of trying to explain this in any sort of reasonable way and even an unreasonable way it's just the fact that i have to use words to try to explain something about what's absolutely true defeats the purpose because i'm we're we're in this perceptive experience together yes Yes. And, and then we hear tell about enlightenment and we hear tell about this absolute from different sources. We hear these rumors like a Buddha type rumor of, of uh, becoming enlightened, right? Or you can read books and like there, there is this possibility. Yes. And, and, then, and then we hear, I also hear, you know, say different ways of thinking. Like when you said, okay, I'm not, not clinging you see, it's like, okay, well, that is one way to approach life is to not cling to this illusion. And so, and that's okay. And, and that is like a way to go. And, and yet still it doesn't, you know, um, oh, right, There's right. We're talking about there. like what holds people back. It's like, so then people are trying to get somewhere and the bitch of it is like, they're, they're trying to get somewhere where they already are. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. and, and there is no way to get there. And yet, in order to, as if get there, it seems that a lot of hard work is in order. Mm. And, and it doesn't need to take any time because time doesn't matter there, here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. <clears throat> Man, it's because it's I think our, our, our language, especially the English, English language or maybe just any language, in general, any conceptualization is not fit for, um, for I mean, yeah, see, like, I, I can't even find the words now <laughs> to really go into dive into that. Well, I, I do. Th I, I think I would. Well, I guess I don't know exactly what you're about to say, um, but I think language is fit. Yeah, the what's the important in, importance in language? I guess that's what I'll ask you. What what where is if everything if what we're describing the absolute truth goes beyond language it goes beyond um knowledge conceptualization 
then what is the importance of listening to this podcast right now? Well, again, it's, it's, it's very subjective and personal. So I couldn't say if okay. somebody who is listening has an interest in becoming conscious, then they will likely find this important. And um, point, point them in the direction to. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or it sounds like you're like, well, what's the value? The value, I think, I think probably the best, the most valuable aspect in terms of the absolute truth, right? is for, for people who have an interest in that is just to get that it's not, mm, let me see, that it's, it's the very real possibility that you, the listener, could become conscious for yourself for real, not a fantasy, mm. not some belief system, not listening to some other motherfucker down there who spews a good story, but you becoming conscious for yourself. I think that is that possibility being invited to that possibility and to grasp that, that perhaps there is something of which you are not conscious right now. I think that's probably the most valuable thing in terms of, in terms of that. Yes. Like, because because uh, otherwise it, I I fear that that things tend to run down the roads of fantasy or belief systems or dogma about like what's the right way to live and what's the right spiritual practice and what's the where do I where do I go to get enlightened the fastest or what, you know, like, like these, these things, it's like, yes, people hold that as valuable and it's very attractive, but it doesn't seem to, to actually legitimately further the action. Yes. Whereas yes. grasping that there is for real a possibility and that enlightenment just isn't just for like spiritual teachers. It's for people. It's for you. Yeah. For you you know whomever yes it's just it's just becoming conscious of what is that's that's it and then what mm -hmm. you do with that after that's your prerogative kind of thing mm -hmm. so, yeah you said a quote that peter said that he uh i found uh very interesting You're like he said buddha didn't even invent buddhism <laughs> and that's the gist <laughs> of it it's that it's not it's not that we bow down to siddhartha Gautama and say he's the one he is the enlightened one uh, it's no it's, Buddha is you it's a symbol for you it's like all of these teachings he was expressing not to follow him and bow down to him it's to resonate with everybody that tunes into Buddha's the Buddhahood that the, the Buddha is inside of all of us essentially in the story but again Buddhism is, is its own dogma as well and uh people get lost in that as well. And I can see why it's very tempting. And, you know, it is a, it, you know, Buddhism is probably the closest thing to, I guess, the truth. But when you just, when you take it as another dogma, then I guess it's really not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, you can see definitely, I, I can see definitely that Buddhism has followed the same path as other religions has become a religion. And, you know, when you say like, you know, if Buddha's like, well, Buddha is you, you know, they, because they do say that, right? Like you are the Buddha. Yeah. Basically. Or the Buddha is inside of us or 
Yeah, some some something along that lines. Yeah, yeah, and and I. So if we could postulate, if there's some truth there, what's the actual experience as if of that? Where maybe maybe it is true that we are the same as Buddha, but we would have to know what that is so that we know mm -hmm. if we're the same or not. Because right now, our my experience tells me to some degree, uh, I'm over here, you're over there, and we're different, right? Yes. See? I think that it's not necessarily that. I think it's more of the, not, not, not that we're the same being, even though behind the scenes, some may argue that we are in the same consciousness, but going, that's another topic. I think it's more so of that, like the Buddhahood, the, it's, it's that we can encapsulate the same experience and be kind of on the same page of this temporary fleeting reality. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it, I don't think it has to do much with like our separation and separate beingness. It's what, more what's, uh, what's the it you said, I don't think it has to do. It is the concept, the concept, the, the Buddhahood. I don't think it's, it's not, it's not like I am the Buddha. It's that we are, we are all the, just this, this Buddha mind. And we just have to realize that our, our own way. It's, it's more of just like, it's, it's an abstract concept. It's an abstract thing that I, um, I guess I'm not eloquent enough to be able to dive into it. It's, it's more of just like, yeah, I can't really describe it. So we, it's, it's, it's a realization more so. It's like an insight. It's a, it's a revelation. It's something that we, we come to and reach in our experience, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? No. <laughs> okay. I, I think you're trying to, I, I get that you're trying to communicate something about some something that perhaps brings us together as human beings or that we could align with yeah. that would unite humans something am i on track there i, I don't know yeah through the through the buddha through the buddhahood like the action is not necessarily we, we have to bow down to buddha and like we all we we are all united through buddha it's that we're united through the mindset of the buddhahood like we all have that potential what's the buddhahood when you say the buddhahood can you Tell me what that is, hmm. or what you have about that. It's more so. If, if I may ask, are you a practicing Buddhist or do you have that as something that you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If where, it's personal, that's also fine. I oh, definitely. I'm, I, 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 uh, I mean, a practicing Buddhist is like, I, I, I meditate. I meditate and I'm a yoga teacher as well. So I guess that has something to do with it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I meditate every day. I don't know if that's a practicing Buddhist, but. Uh, I was I, just curious about your, um, I guess your spiritual background or what, what types of uh, practices you are involved in. So I, I'm hearing meditation and also yoga. Yeah, yoga is huge for me. Just the, yeah. uh, and it's not, no, not necessarily just the, you know, doing the asanas, it's the whole, aspect and lifestyle of yoga is, is very important it just makes me feel good essentially yeah <laughs> uh, would, um, would you say that the 
the yo- the yoga practice, the asanas plus everything else that you're you're into, um, would you equate that as some sort of Buddhahood or put that to my Buddhahood? Yes, it would be. Okay. It would be mine, but everybody else has their own Buddhahood in in way. It's it's kind of like a way to give yourself not purpose. It's like it's a way to just explore your own being. It's a way to just like see reality for how it is and how it isn't and uh it's something that goes beyond conceptualization i think it's just another term for enlightenment if you want to even term that enlightenment awakening i guess buddhahood is just another synonymous term it's just kind of like a a wavelength that we touch upon it seems and it's something that um yeah yeah i guess that's the only best way i can describe it Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Another <laughs> question for you on a, we're we're tracking here. I'm curious, what's uh does Hitler have Buddhahood? <laughs> I think um yeah, I think he does. Uh I don't well, think he's I dead don't think, now, but in his life. Yeah, I think I think Buddhahood doesn't necessarily equate with morals. I think Okay. You can be I think he, okay, this is gonna sound horrible. Hitler was good at what he did. <laughs> oh, he was incredible. <laughs> but what he did was not good. <laughs> and I think that's true for a lot of people. There's a, there's a lot of people who are on that wavelength and good at what they do. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're in the Buddhahood either. Okay. Um, but what I'm trying to say is it's, it's just like this. Uh, I think I, it does correlate. There is some kind of correlation where if you're on the path, quote unquote, you, it kind of morals do correlate, but it doesn't exactly cause it like there's a lot of people that see you know these gurus like gurus and like mm. bikram that, that have abused their students and you can come to these realizations and revelations and whatever words you can concepts you want to put on it, the direct experience uh but it's not yeah it doesn't make you a good better person i don't think i think it can if you have the right um, foundation in your being i think it can accelerate your um your uh, your uh your work uh but it's not a guarantee yeah. yeah okay okay cool 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 thanks yeah hitler was not booted though i don't i'm not saying that <laughs> for anyone listening <laughs> yeah no i also am not a good person glad, glad yes definitely um because uh, one of the things I say for, for other people is, is in terms of, you know, becoming directly conscious, say what happens when an asshole gets enlightened? You have an enlightened asshole, you know, enlightenment. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, enlightenment doesn't change anything. You know, usually the reason people get into become what I, what I mean when I say enlightenment, and again, it's like, you gotta be really careful. Yeah. You know, because people say enlightenment, they don't necessarily mean the same thing. That's why they, like a question, like what's going on with you when you say that? And then, oh, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Yeah. But what I'm talking about when I say enlightenment, it doesn't change anything. It is already the case. It is simply becoming conscious of what has already been, always has been, and always will be. So thus and- there is no enlightenment. Come again? So thus, because of that, there is no enlightenment, essentially. It's the only enlightenment we can come to is that there is no enlightenment. No. <laughs> so that's not correct either? No. You can. That, that's the, and this is, this is again. the paradox? 
Yeah, it's, it's paradoxical. And the mind, mm -hmm. that's what we're using to do all this with. And perception itself can't do that. Yet, yes. you can become conscious. Oh, I, okay. So that's the separation. Separating consciousness from mind. Is that it? It's, it's, mm, that's a difficult thing to weigh. Yeah, I mean, you can weigh it. But again, that is weighing it within perceptive experience with a mind trying to assess perhaps value about what's good and bad and how mm -hmm. do I reconcile these things and all of that is an activity that we do. Yes. <laughs> and yet none of that has any bearing on what I'm calling enlightenment or direct consciousness. You know, we call direct consciousness, becoming conscious of something absolute. Yes. Know? Like I say to people, it's like, the the big bang and the anti-big bang hitler uh, like mur murder a, mi a million people or love a million people murder a billion people murder a trillion people in the worst way possible or love a trillion people in the best way possible none of that has anything to do with what's absolutely true you see, and then, and then what? <laughs> and like, uh, there's no way to get there because ways are only relative or time. How long is it going to take? Doesn't matter. Life and death also irrelevant. Mm. And then how do you get there? Well, you can't get there. Oh, so the only way to get there is to realize that you can't get there. Nope. That's not the way either, because that's a realization within <laughs> a relative <laughs> experience about something. And yet, and I can, I can say this from personal experience is like, you can, one can become conscious. And that's it, right? Just that's, that's it. You gotta do that. You know, be conscious and there's nothing mm. to do. And that's the bitch of it, you know, <laughs> but yet there is right. There's a real, so what I can communicate that is easily graspable is there's a possibility. Hmm. It's a real possibility. Like I said, it's not just, it's not just for teachers or special people it's for anybody mm -hmm. see and that's that's one aspect you know that is definitely one aspect of what we do here you know bringing it way back to the beginning like we do contemplation intensives and this is a different form of workshop is very intense where people come for that purpose to become directly conscious we it's the direct method you basically sit down get enlightened tell your partner that's it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. And we have a whole structure, minimize distractions. It's very intense, very powerful. And mm. people do that too. Yeah. But it's not the only thing. Why do you, what's the, what do you think is like the biggest reason that people seek this kind of work? Is it because of our sufferings and we're trying to, I don't know if you want to say escape suffering or just understand suffering or understand ourselves a little more, would you say? Really, what, I, I, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. What, what drives people to things such as your workshop and this podcast and what is our motivation? Because there's some people that are just like, nope, doesn't, there's nothing, it doesn't, this won't mean anything to anybody. But sure. then there's some people that will be like, they, 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 people go to your workshops for a reason is what I'm saying, right? So what is that reason that they go? I think 99% of the time is they're, they're unhappy and they want to be better. Yeah. Just want to be happy. 
they, yeah, they want to be happy or, um, they're usually suffering something. Yeah. Like they think they're broken and it usually it's like they, they want to fix themselves. That's unfortunately usually why they show up. I know that's why I showed up in the beginning and the more I do workshops and the more I watch people, that's, they, they, they think they're broken. Mm. Something. They're suffering. Mm-hmm. They want the pain to go away. I think that's usually why people come. I, I, I rarely see people that are just come in and are just genuinely curious, but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> and uh, it's usually, it's usually, I want to, I want to make myself better, which is I'm not good enough right now. I need to be better. Hmm. That's what I think is the, the main thing. Hmm. And they probably come, people probably come to realize like they are good enough right now. Right. Is that kind of like the thing? Say, say again, people probably come to realize that they are good enough right now. Right. Like that, that is that the hmm. all right so before and after so someone comes to a workshop before suffering looking for purpose looking for something or just looking for happiness yeah is, is it like after are these people totally different people or literally are they just the same is is, is there anything that's like if you, this was a science and a science experiment how would these people that attend your workshops um act differently how is their uh, demeanor different or maybe nothing's different at all? Like how could you describe that? Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, let me see. Let me see. If somebody could, when people come into the workshops, well, we got to consider a few things, I guess. One, one, one thing to consider is that, and this is not going to be popular. You've been warned, whatever. Um, uh, people, the forces that be in my estimation, based on my experience, taking a look, taking a look at my own self, my own experience, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. The, the forces that drive people to be people are incredibly strong. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've heard tell some rumors in some spiritual circles or wherever that they're like, Oh, I'll just transcend this. I'll just change this. I'll just do that. And I'm like, no, dude, ain't going to happen because mm-hmm. yourself is stronger than the strongest fucking, it's incredible. Like, like what I try to tell people is like, you see, you see the objects, right? There's an object there. For example, it's like, do you see how strongly that is being an object? <laughs> like you cannot screw around with that. Now, if you close your eyes, open your eyes, it's a Buddha statue. No matter what, like you can't just will that to change. It's like that kind of power. It's like, okay, so just that's my, some, some preamble. So do people change? Mm, no. Like fundamentally, usually not so much. Now, however, over time, yes. People do start to make some real shifts in a more fundamental way where you'd say, oh, that person was this way, they're different now. Like, and, and this tends to happen more in like an apprenticeship situation. You see, so like sustained practice over time and a lot of it, that does seem to, it's like steering a really big ship. You, you starts really slow and then eventually starts to change course. But that, that mm-hmm. takes some serious doing. 
And mm. then there are other aspects of the self that's like, they are, you know, what Peter calls hardwired. Like you, you are not going to screw with that. It's just like, and that just seems to be the way of it, which I know is not popular because people want to the, probably the easy fix and to just transcend things and let's feel good. So there's, there's that right now in terms of, so going back to your question, like when people come in and do workshops, okay, they, they might come in a certain way, but then when they come out there, there are some notable differences. Usually there's a little bit more clarity in the eyes, maybe a little sparkle. They're a little more happy. Um, they're a little more honest. Um, they're a little less burdened by their stuff. Um, a little more alive say. Mm. Um, these things can occur and then as they progress like like we say they leave here they go back into life and then life will start to take over again and they'll they'll fall back into those old patterns usually mm. um, but at least there's some because um, i know it's, it's good to be able like you want to be able to measure uh, results right so like what, what's the measure to like, how successful are these workshops? And, and again, like that really depends on the person. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like physical, you can recognize stuff. It's like, that's what I said before, but then there's like another aspect in the stuff that perhaps is not as easily recognized that can occur is usually people like we've opened some doors and some considerations for people that they never thought about before. They never even considered, they never even knew it was possible. And that stuff can kind of be like a little seed that gets planted. And then over time, maybe, you know, in a year they go, oh, something clicks that wouldn't have clicked if they hadn't, mm -hmm. or even two years or months later, you know, these kinds of things. So there's like a lasting uh, knock-on effect that can occur that I don't know that I could measure that except that we hear you know, we get feedback and people write to Peter and, and more and more people are writing to me as well, which, which I appreciate. Um, and I hear stories of people making breakthroughs and having insights after the fact that, that I, that then we could measure that as well, but like that wouldn't show up necessarily, you know, right after a workshop. Mm. Usually people are pretty happy though, probably mostly because they're like, Holy shit, that was hard. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're happy about. <laughs> that's funny. Is, is it a month-long process? Um, we do, yeah. We have, like, in the spring, it's a month-long. And so it's, like, four, uh, usually, like, four weeks. And each mm. week is a different workshop. And then in the fall, same deal. Mm. And, like, four, three or four weeks. I'm interested myself. Oh, yeah, come on down. <laughs> I will. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Or if, if you have any questions, like after the fact, just uh, you, you're welcome to email me or I think you have my number, just text me or whatever. Definitely. Um, yeah, if you definitely. have any questions, I'm happy to help you there. Definitely. Yeah. You guys, like I said, you guys are doing something different. It's something, mm, thank it's you. not like the, you know, it's not like the new age spirituality movement that we seem to be going on. It's, it's, uh, it's real, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just what, I don't know, it goes beyond words, man. This, this podcast is leaving me beyond words. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, it's good to um, be able to, uh, so our words are like, it's a reflection of our thought process. And 
it's good to take note and reflect on the words that we use because that's a reflection of how we think. And uh, I think this this podcast has allowed me to be able to choose my words more wisely. Hmm. It seems. And uh, yeah, kind of. I use a lot of buzzwords, you know, spirituality buzzwords in these shows and. I don't know if I'm doing people any good <laughs> now, it seems. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I was trying to say. Just uh, yeah, you guys are doing good. I, I appreciate it. Uh, all your work that you guys do is pretty awesome. Great. Thank you very much. Would you, um, I think we can probably start to wrap this thing up. But would you, I mean, want to, Would I, I like to get into people's own experiences or revelations or breakthroughs um if you want to can you dive into like when you had this breakthrough or something that happened to you you know when what what allowed you to um follow this path that you're on and do your work that you're doing was there some kind of catalyst to this whole your life essentially because for a lot of people that i've talked to it seems to be something that either a traumatic event, some kind of psychedelic experience, some person they met, like Peter, I guess, or something that has happened that has led them down a path, like showed them the door. Um, but ultimately, like you said before, we're the ones that have to walk through it. So what showed you the door, you think? Which door? <laughs> the or door, the door to, can uh, to, to walk the path that you're on, the consciousness work, the direct consciousness. So not necessarily like the insight, because we already talked about that. There is no insight to come to, but what, you know, well, why oh, you... No, there, there is an insight to come to. Yeah. It's just not it's a conceptual just insight. Yeah. It, it just kind of boggles the mind. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. Sorry. So what made you say like, this is the work I want to do and not be like a garbage guy or a police officer. And, uh, you know, just say, this is like, this is an honorable task. What, cause there had to be something that clicked and said, this is my life. This is my work as in, when I, while I'm in this meat suit, this is what I want to do for other people in their meat suit. So if you could go into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, it was, you know, like I said, at the time, I de definitely wasn't happy. See, but did I have a bad childhood? No, I grew up in Vermont. My parents are awesome. You know, they're still together. It's beautiful. Like they, they treated me with love and respect. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we had our ups and downs. I turned into a angry teenager, whatever. Uh, I wasn't happy. I was in a lot of pain, but pain I totally take responsibility for that's on me to do that you know it's but anyway like at the time it was my parents fault <laughs> you shouldn't have had me it's your fault blah, 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 you know do all yep. but, mm -hmm. it's on me that's my pain and yeah I mean I was just I was looking for something and and I do have and and again I I try to stay away from what I consider the spiritual woo-woo and be as real as I can. But what, what I would say is like, I, I knew that I could put something out into the universe. And I said, all right, I'm ready. Bring mm -hmm. it. I know I need something. And I was just, I went wide as if wide open with that and into the universe, not just like, it was like big, I went big with it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I got an opportunity and I said, screw it. Yeah. Let me check this guy out. And then I saw him 
And then that's the, that's the tricky part. It's like, I don't know what, what allows for that. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think that's good though. Just don't, yeah. Don't label or just, just go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and then, so what I can recognize is that, you know, there was a, there was like, again, what I perceived of this individual, the genius, the way of moving, the intelligence, the, and, and the, like the spark of something else, which I would definitely equate to, to becoming conscious. And also um, what you say, it's like what you appreciate. And then what Peter keeps letting me know about is like that, that's what people love about this work is it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do our best to be as real as we can. And so there's that, <clears throat> but how did I decide that that's what I want to do? You got me. <laughs> I just, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and I went for it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, I hope you keep doing it. Keep fighting the good fight. It's great work, man. It's great. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think we can probably wrap this thing up. Other than that, do you have any uh, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say to anyone listening? Oh, plugs! Hey, come <laughs> down here. Let's do some workshops. Uh, please check websites. There is peterralston.com. You can also check my website, thebrendanlee.com. Um, Consciousness and skill worldwide. We're on YouTube, etc. Um, but the main thing is like, you know, I want to invite you come do workshops or at least consider that possibility and take a look around because they're incredibly powerful events that, um, you know, very unique, powerful experience. Mm. You might see me there. Yeah. Please come on down. <laughs> cool, man. I'll link everything. Any questions, in the um, you're welcome to contact me. You can check cool. that on my website. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I'll put everything down below for anyone that's interested. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If anybody made it through this, uh, <laughs> if anybody got something out of it, or I don't know if you want to say got something, but you can say whatever you want, man. Say whatever you want, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you, Brendan Lee again. And yeah. Uh, yeah, peace out, man. This was cool. Great. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You as well.